The following is a Klabes Online production. Lunch with Klabes and Joe on ClabesOnline.com. Hey, and welcome on in. It is Monday, July 27th, and you are watching Lunch with Klabes and Joe here on ClabesOnline.com on our Twitter and our Facebook page. I am Joe Roderick, and I am joined alongside by Mike Claiborne. What's going on, Klabes? How are you? I am good. We've got three games under our belt in this very interesting season. So uh, we got through the first weekend, so I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. We will get into that a lot to actually get into as we uh, as we get started here. Do want to mention that lunch with Claves and Joe powered by Ameren, Illinois, also driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. More on them in just a second. But last week, Claves, we added a new teammate, actually a few new teammates to the uh, to the mix. And one of those being the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly, now on board with everything that we're doing here with Claves Online. So excited to have Ryan on board. Uh, you know, the home loan expert has been synonymous with great deals here in St. Louis, basically around the country, because Ryan is in a lot of other cities as well. So uh, to have him involved with what we're doing, I'm excited for, but I'm equally excited to have Alex Ferrario be part of what we do. And we're going to hear from him. I know you had a chance to visit with him recently, but we're going to have him on a roundtable coming up later in the week as we get set for St. Louis Blues hockey uh, preseason game on Wednesday. We'll have a show on Thursday to look into the season itself and see how this whole thing's going to unfold. Yeah, Alex has been a a very good friend of mine over the uh, years of us uh, being in really, I think the Cardinal locker room is where we've probably hung out the the most and really excited to see all the stuff that he's been doing with the Blues here the uh, the past two years and uh, welcome addition here to the uh, to the team. So let's talk about, by the way, we will have Craig Mish on the show. He is going to be jumping on the call here in about 10 minutes or so to talk to us about the latest going on with the Marlins and with Major League Baseball. Again, we'll touch on it in about 10 minutes, but if you haven't heard yet, uh, the Marlins game tonight, their home opener has been postponed as well as the Phillies and Yankees game in Philadelphia. It has been postponed, and that's where the Marlins were yesterday due to the fact that 14 Miami Marlins players have tested positive to COVID-19. 14, Mike. That's uh, that's almost half of the 30-man roster. Yeah, that's a lot. And, uh, you know, one of the things you have here, you know, you get the, the staggered testing. So we don't know who was positive when, and if they've already gone into protocols, be a quarantine or will they be retested? I think you have to be tested two days in a row before you're cleared. So there are a lot of things that are still unfolding as this story continues to unfold on, on what's next for the Miami Marlins, let alone Major League Baseball. That's yes. one of the I will talk with Craig. Craig is as, in, as connected as anyone with that Miami organization. So we'll talk with him and find out what's going on and what the next step will be. So while, uh, while we wait for Craig to join us here in about 10 minutes, we have plenty to talk about as far as the Cardinals are concerned. They start the season 2-1 and one as the Pittsburgh Pirates win the game uh, from them yesterday, 5-1, to one, your score there. As we, as we look at the first three games of the season, I think it's kind of what we expected from this team, an offense that you hope can produce runs, and a pitching staff that when they're on, you know it's going to be hard to score runs off of them, and a defense that you shouldn't have to worry about all year. Yeah, it it fit the script exactly. Uh, 
the offense was was good the first two nights. Then it showed up, uh, or it didn't show up very much yesterday. But the pitching was good throughout the weekend. Even though Dakota Hudson had a flat tire, I thought the bullpen did a really nice job and uh, keeping it close. I mean, there was just a bump in the road there. But overall, it was basically, Joe, what we expected. You mentioned the defense. I mean, the infield was sharp. Yachty uh, made his presence felt yesterday. So I don't think we saw anything that we didn't anticipate. Now, this week will be a little different because you'll see the best and worst of the American League Central with uh, the Minnesota Twins tomorrow. And, man, they can swing the bat, man. I, I was looking at the numbers that they have, and they do a really good job. And then they'll see uh, my uh, Milwaukee, a team that I just don't know what they're going to look like. And then you have Detroit. The Tigers will play them in Detroit and then come back and play them here. So it's going to be a very important week for the Cardinals as far as the opposition that they're going to face. The I, I want to get to the Twins, but as far as the Cardinals go, we mentioned the bullpen. And the construction of that bullpen right now, and by the, the, the bullpen, the construction of a bullpen in general in baseball is really is always fascinating because it always seems like whatever you have in April is not going to be there in August and September. You kind of mix and match, you figure out who's hot, who can get those three outs in the seventh or eighth inning and, and kind of bridge that gap. But in a 60-game season, you don't have that leeway. You, you don't have those games in April to, to get you there. And so far, we we saw KK struggle a bit, but he stuck with it, and he got the he, he closed the game out on Friday. But I really think that Gant, Helsley, KK, those three right there, it's going to be really tough to score any runs off of them as the season goes on. I wonder where a guy like Andrew Miller fits in to, to this yeah. right now. I would include him in that mix. Uh, I think his experience, now I know he was a little off kilter last season and then he kind of figured it out. Uh, I thought he was okay in the spring until he came up with a little bit of a, a forearm issue or he couldn't, he didn't have any feeling. But I think when he's right, you got to put him in that, in that equation and especially with his experience in the bullpen. And let's face it, Joe, he used to own the White Sox and a couple of teams on the American League Central. So uh, a guy I think I would put in that equation, but I think you make a good point. Those arms you just mentioned can be very effective, um, and, and I'm looking forward to them having an impact. Now, where does Junior Fernandez and, and Cody Whitley fit? I don't know. Giovanni Gallegos is a guy we probably ought to insert in there at some point. So it's 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 an undertaking, and you're right. This, this is the same bullpen we, we look at here now in July that we won't see in the same order in September. Uh, some guys will emerge, some guys will regress. And who's to say there's another arm somewhere within the organization that we're not even talking about that may have an impact before this is all said and done? Right. And you would think that they can be a little more aggressive with the bullpen this mm -hmm. year because in years past, you would think a guy like a Gomber or a Ponce de Leon, they might be in Memphis in a normal season yeah. right now, getting their starts, getting their reps, getting their innings. But this year, you don't have Memphis. You don't have that minor league system, so you can bring them up and you can have that bullpen loaded and you don't have to worry about getting guys like that reps. Well, you know, I think both of those guys are at a point in their careers where Memphis and reps probably don't do them any good. They need to be on a big league roster and they need to pitch, uh, which is going to be something we'll pay attention to 
here in the next couple of weeks when they have to reduce the roster and then they'll do it twice to get down to 26 before it's all said and done. And, and who those guys are going to be out of the bullpen, it's going to be very, very interesting. And it won't say that they won't be brought back for one reason or another. So I think when you're in this situation, you just have to be ready to pitch in whatever situation may, may you may be called upon. But I think Gomber and Ponce de Leon are guys that are going to be bigger factors. And we should have mentioned their names as well uh, because they're going to have a say-so in the outcome. So you have three games in the book so far, and we have seen one through eight in that lineup was the exact same for all three of those games. The only change that we saw was Lane Thomas in for Harrison Bader in Sunday's game. So as the season moves forward, who are some guys that you want to see get some at-bats or what are some changes you see happening to this lineup? Because we've talked about it. You cannot wait on a guy like Harrison Bader to hit his way out of a slump if with every game counting for, you know, 2.7 normal games and 162 game schedule, they got to be on it right away. Yeah, they do. And, you know, in the Bader situation, you know, hitting him ninth really is like a second leadoff guy as far as his speed is concerned. So the question is, what kind of pitches is Bader going to get with Wong hitting behind him? Now, if Wong swings the bat well, then you want to try and go after Bader, which means he may get some better pitches compared to pitches that will be flopped because they're pitching around to get to the pitcher. So it's incumbent upon him to be more selective. Now, he hit some balls over the weekend I thought were gave me better hope because he was going to right center he had a couple of balls of center field compared to trying to pull everything. And, and I think that's what's gotten him in trouble. And then he'd be out in front on a breaking ball. He's just got to be a little bit more patient and pick out pitches. He's got to hunt pitches better. Uh, but, you know, the same can be said for Dexter Fowler. I know he had the home run the other night and he had another hit over the weekend where Dexter Fowler's got to find a way to be a little bit more consistent also, especially in, in the spot that he's in in the order. But you know what? Joe, we can talk about all three outfield positions. They've all got to be better. There's no question about it. They've all got to be better. Uh, how much time do you give that combination? That's only that's a question Mike Schilt's got to have an answer for. And then as you as they get ready to head into that series against Minnesota, we we saw that Minnesota offense against the White Sox. I was flipping back and forth. I was because I I knew the White Sox were going to be an exciting team you know what kind of offense the Twins are bringing to the table. So I knew that was going to be a fun series. And I tell you what, hey, with that White Sox team, they don't make you wait around to find out if it's going to be a competitive game or not. They they let you know in a hurry if they're uh, going to be invested in that, that afternoon's game. But that Twins offense, my goodness, there is not a break in that lineup. No, there's no easy out. And, you know, Nelson Cruz, somebody forgot to tell him he's 40 years old. I think the Josh Donaldson acquisition was a huge one where there's no, as you mentioned, no easy out in the order. Um, how good is that pitching going to be? Well, it's pretty good. I mean, they didn't win 100 games last year by mistake. So, and I don't see where they really lost a great deal. So, this is a team that you want to have to deal with somewhere, someplace, sometime. And I guess it's probably maybe it's to the Cardinals' advantage that you see them early and you get them out of the way. Because I think the White Sox probably were licking their chops saying, we're going to find out how good we are. Well, you found out. you got some work to do because that Minnesota bunch is pretty good. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, Nelson Cruz, 40 years old right now, as he has, uh, what do you have, seven RBIs 
in yesterday's oh, game. Wow. Already three home runs on the uh, on the year. And I, you keep seeing his name, and it just it reminds me. I mean, Cardinal fans, they all know the name Nelson Cruz. T- to think that was nine years ago is really, really crazy. Well, you know what? Think about this. What happens if Nelson Cruz catches that fly ball? You know, we, we're probably in a whole different environment as far as Cardinal success. They would have lost the World Series. And Nelson Cruz would have went on to further greatness, although he's a great player as he is. But, you know, Cardinal fans remember him butchering a fly ball that could have ended the World Series. Yeah. Hey, we have our uh, guest here on the line covering the Marlins as we uh, check out what's going on with the rest of baseball. And we bring into the uh, to the mix Craig Mish as we uh, we continue our conversation. Craig, good afternoon. How are you? Thanks for having me. Sorry, I couldn't get my background up in time for the show. It's a lot of green in the background. So it's fine. <laughs> you know, green looks well on you, Craig. Thanks for joining us. And for folks who follow Craig, you can follow him on, on Twitter for sure, but also Sirius XM. Uh, I, I want to ask you this right off the bat, Craig. With fantasy baseball as we knew it, it's got a little bit of a different look. I know some people who changed the rules and have changed the game, so to say, and then some people have elected not to participate What's the general consensus for you on that front? Yeah, I mean, it's almost impossible. I, I, I think that it's uh, on the fantasy end, it's it's about playing, uh, you know, for free and just having fun this year. I, I don't think that you can rely on anything. I, I've, I've had more people this year actually reach out to me and say, hey, like when you tweet stuff and when you send stuff out about the Marlins, like don't hold back. Like don't feel like you're, you know, you're wasting our time this year because we need you like we we need to get we need to get you so um you know I, i'm one of those people that doesn't live on social media you know and i don't, I don't tweet just to tweet claims you know that so yeah. uh, but this year i feel like there's like more of an obligation to keep people informed as to what's going on so i i'm in a couple this year but i, I gotta tell you it's it's impossible it's that's just all all right let me go back to yesterday when this this story started to surface about miami and some of the players being positive uh, when did you get wind of it? And give me your impressions on what you learned yesterday to where we at today. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot here. And, and I think that what I've learned uh, from this experience is that no matter how well a club uh, uh, treats the protocols and the CDC regulations, uh, I, I think that some of this is going to be inevitable in Major League mm-hmm. Baseball. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. that Major League Baseball could have predicted this many players uh, with this happening, because I think they probably felt like their testing was efficient enough to prevent something like this, Claves, but it is clearly not, because they are now in a position here where Miami, if they're going to continue this season, is going to be forced to essentially have uh, you know, somewhat of, I would think, a minor league roster at this point, based on a lot of the players that they're going to be asked to uh, be able to use. So that's the hope, is that Miami can continue and, and continue to play out their season if they do. I believe it will uh, continue in Baltimore in two days from now. The games in Miami, I think, are done, at least for the time being. And and then you have to ask yourself this question again. After they play in Baltimore and after they get retested in Baltimore, are they flying back on that plane again to Miami? And so we're, I think, a long way away from really fully understanding where we're at. I was going to say, what is the contact tracing 
protocol right now because there are reports going all the way back to the games against the Braves, the exhibition games with right. members of the Braves having it now. Where Where is baseball or is it the Marlins that are, are in charge of this now? Yeah, well, I mean, the Marlins uh, are not in charge. I mean, it should be MLB that's in charge of it. If, if you leave it up to the Marlins, they're going to say, let's play. I mean, no Major League Baseball te- uh, team is going to say, we don't want to play. You'll have players specifically that say, oh, yeah, I'm opting out or I don't want to play. But we heard from Don Mattingly after the game. He said there was never a thought that he wouldn't play, uh, that they wouldn't play. They asked their their team leader and representative, Miguel Rojas, and, and, he, and uh, apparently Rojas pulled the team. They said they wanted to play as well. So that's sort of where they go from there. And, and whether or not they're able to continue or complete this, uh, that's a question that I can't really answer right now. But very clearly, something happened from the point that they went from Atlanta to Philadelphia, because in that time period, they had a dozen players and coaches contracting the virus. Now, I'm not a science expert, so I don't know. Did that happen on the plane? Did that happen in a clubhouse? Did that happen on the field? I don't know. But here's what I know. The Marlins at Summer Camp 2.0, went three weeks of testing every other day without a single positive. And so I think that speaks to more of, of what base, Major League Baseball needs to do. And my suggestion has been from the very beginning, you cannot travel teams until it's the day of the game. You have to give these tests as long as possible before you go on that plane. And I know show and go is no fun. We've all been through that before in regular season and spring training with these emergencies, but this is an emergency. And I, and I do believe that's that every team should be traveling on the road in the morning. Wait till you get as many results as you possibly can. Delay that thing as much as you possibly can. Then get on the plane and take your ride to the next destination. You, you know, you make a good point. We visited with Craig Mish. Uh, we did it as kids. And it was, sometimes we, we're playing a kid's game. So we may have to go back to some of those issues that are taking place. So for you, what do you think is the next step? Because will Miami now be a team without a home? Will, I mean, will they be bunking in Buffalo with the Toronto Blue Jays as far as the home field until they get this figured out? Yeah, Clips, I, I again, I can't stress it enough. They had no positive tests whatsoever at Marlins Park. I know that South Florida is a hotbed, and, and I uh, went to Marlins Park the first day of their summer camp workouts, and you have to walk in between cars of people that are in their cars getting tested for COVID. Marlins Park is a testing site right outside. Mm-hmm. I get all that. But all of that being said, it is a safe environment in that building. And I don't think it's about that. It is about the travel and, and, and what can happen on a plane or on a bus. That takes you out of the mm-hmm. element that you're in with all of the protections that you have. I just don't think that there is any avoiding this. And I think that if the season does continue, and, and, it, and it does seem like right now we're trending toward that, I mean, we absolutely are going to have to wait to see what Philadelphia tests tomorrow because that would change everything if, if that team goes down too. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. But for the time being, my guess is uh, they go over to Roger Dean Stadium and they say, guys, you're our team. And half of those kids make their way down to Miami and play against, uh, you know, the Orioles or go on a plane and play against the Orioles in Baltimore. I have no idea. You uh, you tweeted a, a while ago or a few hours ago about the texts that you received that say the season might be in jeopardy. So has that kind of has that fear kind of gone away a little bit or as conversations go on? What are, what are you hearing now? Uh, a little a little bit different and a little bit more on the optimistic side, but I, I think that we have to wait until tomorrow to see what happens with Philadelphia. I, I don't I think Major League Baseball can withstand 
an outbreak with one team and unfortunately say to that team, aw shucks, we're sorry, which I, I feel like that's kind of happening right now with the Marlins. Can they do that with two teams? Can they do that with three teams? The Marlins playing in Philadelphia yesterday directly had a result on the New York Yankees who never expected to be under any circumstances like this. They thought they were going to Philadelphia today, going in a clubhouse and playing a game. But because that game was played yesterday, that affects the game today. Who knows what will be affected tomorrow? So uh, I, I just I, I have to wait. I'm going to reserve my further judgment on the test results from the Phillies because if they have an outbreak at this point, come on. I mean, at that point, I don't yeah. know how you can continue. I mean, honestly, with two teams, I, I don't I don't see it. Hey, Craig Mish, I know your time is short. We really appreciate you spending some time with us and giving us the latest on what's going on with the Miami Marlins and perhaps the future of baseball. You stay safe, my friend, and hopefully we'll catch up here soon. Yeah, Clibs, you know anything for you. I wish you guys have a great day, and hopefully the season continues, certainly. And uh, All right, all buddy. Cardinals as well. Take care. We'll be in touch. That is Craig Mish. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Craig Mish, M-I. SH is where you can uh, find him as we are uh, before we move away from the baseball conversation. Just want to remind people that uh, the daily podcast that we have up on clabesonline.com right now, uh, this day in Cardinal history is still up each and every day. And it claims you got to, I, I didn't think uh, we'd be going the whole season, but we are, you're going to have to knock out some August uh, dates here this week is July is uh, once again flown right by, and this Saturday will be August 1st, and we'll have a brand new month of Cardinal memories for that. And then the uh, show that debuted on Friday was What's in the Cards with Joe and Polo. As Polo Asensio and I will do a, a short podcast each and every Cardinal game day. And Klaibs, uh, it, it's hard to do with Polo, but we've kept each one around 8 to 12 minutes. So we, we get the info. I don't know how you pull that off. We get you the info the out there. Yeah. You can ask Polo what time it is, and he'll tell you the directions to the watchmaker's house and everybody in his family. He can tell you all of that in with see, one answer. And usually when he's home, he has a game that he's got to call. So we have a time limit for that. My worry is starting tomorrow when he's in L.A. doing it, <laughs> and he's got nothing but time to do it. I, I'm I'm going to have yeah. to keep him on it, but that's driven by uh, Munganas St. Louis Acura, and they have uh, provided Polo with a really nice brand-new forerunner to drive around St. Louis when he's in town. He posted some pictures of that the uh, the other day. You could check that out on all of his social media pages there. Um, the Blues, they will start their, uh, I guess, continuation of the 2020 season, their defense of the Stanley Cup. That starts, as you mentioned, we have Alex Ferrario, uh, Jeremy Rutherford. We have a roundtable coming up this week as the Blues have headed. Uh, they're heading up to the bubble. Jim Thomas is already in the bubble up there in Edmonton. The Blues are heading up there, too, as they have a game set for this week. And just another sport that we get to uh, add to the list of, of what we have. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the Blues situation is one that obviously – Defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, getting back into the mix of it. Uh, it's going to be different, though, because everybody's healthy. Everybody's ready to go. Um, how do you approach it? And this is where I think coaching is going to be more important than any other time we see in, in any sport, because you have to have your finger on the pulse of this team 
uh, how the other teams are going to play, your style of play, how's that going to work in this new environment, and, and just the overall being in the bubble, that, that whole concept, and how do you create bonding ties for players to the point where they don't get sick of each other. So a lot of things go into this. Uh, I'm really anxious to see how this thing is going to unfold. We'll get a taste of it on Wednesday against Chicago and then Colorado, which everybody else seems to think is going to win the Stanley Cup. Somebody forgot to check with the current cup holders. We're going to face them right off the bat. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I just It's so hard to – every team has had four months off. Mm-hmm. Every team has had four months to get healthy. Every team has lost any momentum that they had four months ago. It is just an absolute crapshoot. I mean, team You're one right. through team 12 has the – it just feels like nobody has any sort of edge going into this. And it's going to be the same way in the NBA too. And in the NBA – you have the teams that have the two whatever superstars on each team that they'll have the advantage for that. But in hockey, it's just whoever whoever gets hot at the start, whoever decides to pick up that momentum is going to be the team that uh, is going to have a nice long run there for that. So here's my question, though. I mean, how do you start this thing off? Because do you start off guns a blazing? Because somebody's going to get hurt, Okay. Now, and this is where the Blues have a little bit of an advantage is they may be a little deeper than some teams. And then the question comes into play about conditioning and who is really ready to go compared to guys who looked apart. So there's so many underlying issues to the whole process that everybody's approach is going to have to be different about how they're going to do this as individuals and certainly as teams. And, and this, again, I go back to coaching and coaching staff, knowing your players and knowing when they're on and when they're not. Well, no, absolutely. Which players actually stayed in shape? Which ones got up and worked out every day? And you know that of the hundreds of NHL players out there, I mean, it was like it's like this for every sport. You know that there are some out there who didn't take it as seriously as others for one reason or another. And they're going to have to use these next few weeks to get back into shape. So I I think it's going to be really, really hard to tell a professional athlete, though, to after four months of not of having your season abruptly stopped and then restarting to tail it back a little bit and kind of ease your way into things. I have a feeling that first game you're going to see everybody going at it and then maybe those few games after that, maybe that's when they kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and say, okay. I remember what this is like now. We got we to gotta take our time to get into this. I think, uh, and I heard Brian Burke say something similar recently. I think this thing will be nicey-nicey until somebody gets the living shit knocked out of them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, then we're going to get back to why we're here. And when that happens, um, then we'll start to see the hockey I think we all anticipated on seeing because everybody thinks they've got a chance. So it was the first guy who gets blasted, then you're going to look at your teammates and say, all right, boys, here we go. And then somebody else is going to go out and pay the price for it. I, I really think that that's how this thing is going to unfold. Hey, before we get off the uh, the NHL conversation, uh, last week the Seattle 32nd team announced their team name. They will be known as the Kraken. I like it. I like it. Your thoughts? You know what? I, I was not familiar with it. It sounds good to me. I don't think any animal rights group will be offended. I don't think any uh, 
any sort of culture will be offended. I don't think uh, anybody should have a real issue with this particular name that they obviously thought out. And I, obviously it's something that's more uh, regional as far as its association with, with fans. And that's fine. You want something that's going to represent your community and they like cracking and I love it. The, uh, the, I mean, the, the logo cool. looks pretty cool. Yeah, so. they got different ways to play with that name. So uh, it, it, it'll be fine. You know, you know, Joe, it's interesting. I guess with the emergence of the NBA, when they decided to expand a few years ago, we don't have teams that their, 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 their nickname ends with an S like we used to. And I guess you'd have to go back to the Orlando Magic and you look at the Minnesota Wild. We've got the Kraken. And there's some other teams that don't have a, a name that ends in an S. Um, I appreciate the creativity and them thinking beyond. So, and now we have the Washington football team. I was going to say the one team, yeah, the Seattle NHL team, they gain a nickname while the Washington team, they lose their nickname. They drop it entirely. And honestly, I, I know all the, the copyright issues that they have about getting a new team name. Why not just stick with it? That's unique. Being the Washington football team is unique. There's not another team in all of uh, the four major sports that doesn't have a nickname. So just, just go with it. You know, you can do a nice little logo of WFT on your helmet or put the number on the helmet, something along that line, but something sharp, a nice little crest WFT. Uh, you know, you got to make sure you don't go WTF because then some people would wonder about that. But I, I think that there's a lot of ways you can build on that and you don't have to get overboard as far as making sure it's a nice firm uh, representative of your organization. People have been saying WTF about Daniel Snyder teams for decades, <laughs> so it's it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, by the way, the MLS team in St. Louis, they're getting set to announce their team name in August, mid-August. They did tweet out today a few names, a few uh, fan submissions that didn't make the cut, and it's a little upsetting because somebody sent in a really nice logo and team name for the St. Louis laser snakes that I think really huh. would have caught on in this area. Too so long. it's, Too long of a name. if you see the logo, if you look up the logo, that merchandise would have been off the shelves at every store in the city. If they would have come out being the laser snakes, by the way, the NFL has come out with a, uh, with their policy NFL players who attend high risk events, and end up contracting the coronavirus will face team discipline and lose pay. So the memo it's states, event other than I, I have the yeah, I have the list here for a high risk event according to the memo: an indoor nightclub with more than fifteen people, an indoor bar with more than fifteen people, unless they're there to pick up food, which we're going to get into a story about that here in a second. Uh, an indoor house party with more than 15 people, a music concert or entertainment event with more than 15 people, or a professional sporting event other than an NFL game with more than 15 people. And then they throw this in there at the end, an indoor religious service attended by more than 25% of the venue's capacity. So let's get this straight. No strip clubs. If you can get 12 people in a strip club, you can go to a strip club. No concerts. 
no house parties, no rent parties. Do they still have rent parties? Do they still do that? I don't know what a rent party is. So you never heard that? That's no. when you have a party at the end of the month and you would charge people to get in so you could pay help pay your rent. Oh, that's just yeah, you're talking like a college kegger or something. Yeah. Five bucks yeah. a cup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh you can't worship in a in a large church, something small. Maybe uh, so I you know, I'm 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 glad they didn't exclude Bible study because you have Bible study that takes place with a lot of teams and players on a specific night. They try to cover all the bases where they can get themselves in social trouble. Um, I don't know if that's going to fly or not. Um, This is all throwing it on the wall and hoping it sticks right now. I mean, they had to do something to cover themselves. But what about the gathering of, you know, 50 people on on Sunday afternoon that stand less than six feet next to each other? And in some cases, 22 of them get on the same field. And they, they run into each other, so there's no social distancing there. I mean, I, I've always thought the NFL was kind of a joke in its leadership and how they do things, and this is another example. But, again, they're just trying to cover themselves uh, the best way they know how. I mean, it's going to be hard, I think, to pull off football anyway. And this is a sport that they're going to have to accept the positives that are going to come with this as far as testing is concerned. And it may open up the fact that, they would have to expand the rosters. But then again, the owners don't want to spend any more money on players. The Players Association would love it if they expanded it by eight or ten. But the owners aren't going for it. They feel like they're spending too much money on it anyway. And my question is why? Because you're not guaranteeing any of these contracts for the most part. So what's going to, what's going to hurt you? They've, so. already, uh, they've already announced that they're not going to have uh, any kind of preseason games. And they are giving teams the option – for those roster cuts to where they can either cut down to a certain number or they can have split squads for practices. So they're, they're giving options for how the roster is going to be constructed. But as of right now, they're hoping that they can make it all the way to that. What, what is supposed to be week one without any incidents and get the season underway. I don't see it happening. I really and don't. It's, it is crazy that a, that soccer multiple European soccer leagues have been able to play the last two months now with no fans in the stadiums, no issues as far as an outbreak or anything that has caused them to shut down the season. MLS down in their Orlando bubble seems to have figured it out and they have it done. Korean baseball doesn't seem to have any issues either. here's Here's a problem with this. Um, the the soccer, the European soccer, they got out in front on this thing well before the United States. The soccer in this country is in a bubble. The Korean Baseball League got out in front early, smaller venue, and they, they've been able to do a good job. We're the only people in, in the world that have screwed this thing up. Yep. I mean, the greed and stupidity and the lack of leadership are all the reasons on why we are back to square one. So while all those things you just mentioned have shown success, remember none of them happened in the, in the zip code of the United States of America. Yeah, no, that's that's where I was going with that. That all these other sports and these other countries seem to have figured it out, but here in here in America we can't. Which kind of leads us into the last story, and it's it's a funny one because the Clippers, Lou Williams, down in their bubble in the NBA bubble, he has been placed in a ten day quarantine right now after he was investigated by the league for what he did while on an excused absence. 
The league announced that three days after he was photographed by rapper Jack Harlow in an Atlanta strip club, the uh, the rapper quickly deleted the photo and said it was an old pic of him and Lou just reminiscing. Except uh, Lou Williams was wearing a mask. But here's here's the thing. Lou could have just sat in the car and had some curbside delivery, if you know what I mean. He didn't have to go in. I mean, they would have brought the party to him. He could have just sat in the car. They could have brought out his order, and life would have been cool. Yeah. Lou could use his head better. I, I uh, the uh, the strip club was the Magic City Strip Club in Atlanta. Well, no, Magic City. It's, it's I've never heard of that one. I, oh, I yeah. yeah, I've never heard of that one. Magic um, City's been around for years. I thought I mean, Cheetahs was the big one down there. Yeah, Cheetah that... Club is big, but Magic City has been able to survive a, a lot of different things in this in the great city of yeah. Atlanta. Uh, Lou Williams claims that it's his favorite restaurant in all of Atlanta, so that's uh, hey. that's why he was there. He went in just to pick up their famous wings, but now Lou Williams will miss the next ten days, which means he'll also miss games against the Lakers and the Pelicans later on this week. And you know what's important about that is they're chasing a playoff spot. They they're trying to overtake the Lakers for that number one seed. Now they have a it's an outside shot, but man, Lou Williams is maybe one of the most important players in the reigning six man. Yeah, and um, just got to use better sense, man. I mean, again, we could have made this curbside. They would have brought the whole party out to the parking lot for him, and you know he just didn't think, and, and now it's going to cost him. Uh, hopefully it won't cost them too much. On top, but you got a friend too that's taking your picture in there and posted on it. You got to have, you got to pick your friends better too. I, I, you know what? Not a well thought out plan by any of the parties involved. Let's just go with that. No, it really wasn't. All right. So you, uh, as, as you get set to call your game tomorrow on KMOX, the Tuesday game against the, for the Cardinals and the Twins, I want to know what the experience was like in the empty stadium Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and what you've been told to expect coming up on Tuesday. Well, it was different. Uh, you know, fortunately, we would had a couple of games, a couple of inter-squad games where we went, we were there earlier. Uh, but, you know, to look around, I'll tell you one of the, the photos or one of the shots I vividly remember down the uh, third baseline in the second deck on the same level as, as the broadcast level, there's one guy sitting in the stands. It's John Mozella, just sitting there taking the game in. And, you know, John's John was already a guy that was very health conscious well before this broke out. So isolation is something he's comfortable with. That that shot in my mind, and also Fred Bird was out in Big Mac land trying to cheer as if there were some actual fans out there uh, other than that, you know, you can hear guys calling guys off on fly balls or for God, they made a good play. You hear the dugout a little bit, but it, it was different. Uh, I, I think for some players, the lack of fans was a plus. And then there are other guys who kind of feed off of it. Uh, you looked around baseball, there's some players that were having some fun with it, but it was different. Um, we'll see what happens in the next go around. I understand they're going to have cutouts behind home plate. Uh, now, for us tomorrow, we have two 85-inch monitors. Joe, I don't know if you've ever seen an 85-inch flat screen before, but we have two of them. And I'm hoping that when this is over with, they'll let me try and put one. Well, I can't put it in the trunk of my car because it's too big. But uh, we're going to sit and watch those. And so one will have the game itself. 
And then the other monitor will have the bullpens. It will also have a high home camera where we can see the entire field. So if there's guys running the bases, if the guy's trying to score from second, we'll see if the third base coach is going to hold them up or not. And uh, then we'll have also a scoreboard as far as the other things that we, we need to know. Uh, we'll be in touch with somebody in Minnesota that will kind of give us an idea of some other things that may not be caught on the screen. So we're going to roll the dice and see what happens. Uh, you know, our booth is a pretty big one, so we won't be on top of each other. And, uh, you know, John and Ricky and myself, Jim Jackson and, and Michael Langston, as Mike Shannon said yesterday, our attendance is five. All five guys who are in the booth, and that won't change uh, coming up next week when the Cardinals are on the road. And then do you have any idea what the TV side, uh, what they're doing for that? I think they're going to be at Channel 9 and okay. work out a studio there. And I'm not sure if the analyst will be there. Uh, he may be at home. Um, so I, I think their situation, I, I haven't been able to talk to Jim Hayes a great deal about it, but I know they were still toying with some things on location for people. So you know what, we'll go through this for the first week, and I'm sure everybody will talk about what they thought worked, what didn't work, what we might want to do more or less of, and uh, just try and give the, the listeners and the viewers the best description and accounts we can. Any uh, any pictures, any videos, or of any kind of uh, anything that you can take tomorrow or this whole week of your experience, we will be sure to put it up on uh, online at Claves Online on your Twitter or the Claves Online Facebook page to give the audience an idea of what it's going to be like for the 30 road games this year that you guys cover on KMOX. It's going to be interesting for sure. That is going to wrap it up for us here on Lunch with Claves and Joe. We're powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura. We have content available all week long, uh, every day, really. We have one or two things that we're putting up on the website on ClabesOnline.com. Also, uh, we have all the roundtables from last week. If you want to go back and get a an idea of uh, the preview for the baseball season, even though we're three days into it, also, my interviews this past weekend on Weekend Joe I had a really good chat with Jason Isringhausen. We talked about his hitting career, uh, his career at the plate. How long did that take? It, you know what? He went into detail because you know those pitchers. If they get a hit off anybody, they'll tell you what the temperature was yeah. when, <laughs> when they swung the bat. So Izzy had it down to the count. I mean, it was like listening to Mike Martz talk about a play he called back in uh, 99. So that's how vivid Izzy was with the details of his uh, of his career at the plate. So it was good stuff there from, uh, from Izzy. So that's going to wrap it up for us here today. For Mike Claiborne, I am Joe Roderick. We will see you back here next Monday, but we'll talk to you all week long on ClabesOnline.com.